0: Could you stand with me in honor of God's word? Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to kick off a new series today. We're going to look at the 12th chapter of Romans. Our series title is Living Sacrifices. If you're there, say amen. Lisa always tells me I go too fast, so I'm trying to slow down says and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you'll learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect because of the privilege and authority God has given me I give each of you this warning Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part is a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Father in heaven, I ask today that we would discover beyond our personal blessings and beyond, Father God, all that you could be doing in us. Father, show us what you would love to do through us. Father, so many times as believers, we're so caught up in everything that you're doing in us that we don't think about how you could use us for others and what you could do through us. And the greater part of our Christian growth is gonna happen as we lay down our lives for others because greater love is no man. And so, Father, meet us here. You promise in your word that every time your word goes forth, every time it goes out, that it never returns void or empty back to you. And so your word has come carrying something for us this morning. Your word has something for each and every one of us here today, whether we're physically present or watching live. So Father God, meet us here today, challenge our hearts so that we could not possibly remain the same and walk intimately with you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody in agreement said Amen, amen, you can be seated. The book of Romans is unique among Paul's writings largely because of the fact that Paul had not been to Rome. He'd not been to Rome. So as the pillar New Testament commentary puts it, he, Paul, evidently assumes that what applied to Christians generally applied to Roman Christians specifically. In Paul's writings we can see a pattern that says the Christian life is dependent on strong Christian doctrine. I'm a big believer in strong doctrine. I I don't know how we're doing the body of Christ any service at all if we pull back from things because of what culture is doing and saying. We have we have to preach strong Christian doctrine today. We must, we must, we must. And so, or therefore, beginning chapter 12, it's believed by more than one theologian that that therefore was therefore, or that and so was there, not just referring to chapter 11, but the entire book of Romans up until that point. And so, Paul is building upon everything that he had stated, chapters 1 through 11, he's now building in chapter 12 on all of that. The New American Commentary reinforces this by saying, the practical, however, must of necessity rest upon a solid theological foundation. Otherwise, this is little more than advice about how to get along in a religious community. And I refuse to be a part of a church church a local church that's just giving you advice on how to get along in a religious community. This isn't about advice. Anybody can give advice. This is about the word of God going forth. It's about our hearts responding to that seed that's sown and seeing that it flourishes and that it grows. Amen? Amen. If I'm asking you for it, it's because you're not giving it enough. Amen? Amen. 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 So because this is true again and again and again, you're going to see Paul challenge what kind of person we should be. And if it was good for the Christians then, it's good for Christians today because it is a living book. It's inspired. In reference to the book of Romans, and I've said it before, the legalist says, do these things and you will live. But the apostle Paul in his writing says, live and you'll do these things. That we don't do what we think that we should be doing, that's, that's legalism. I have to do this because I'm a Christian. I, I have to live this way, I'm a Christian. No, 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 Paul said, you live and you'll do these things. You, you live the Christian life. You walk by faith and not by sight and you'll do these things. Christianity is not a, a bunch of rules and it's not a, no, it's a, it's a changed heart that cannot help but live a way that pleases God most. That's where the conviction comes. That's where all the wrestling comes from. It comes because you are compelled by the living God dwelling now on the inside of you to live the way that pleases God the most. And every time you choose to live a way that pleases you the most, there's a conviction, there's a wrestling, and Paul says, no, 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 Don't try to live the Christian life. Man, live and you'll do these things. Come on. Jesus said, let me tell you who's wise. Whoever hears these things of mine and does them. The Bible for the believer, it's something that we live. And not in some legalistic way, I have to live this way. No, I get to live this way. I can't help but live this way. I'm compelled to live this way. We're changed. And because we're a changed people, we live that way. It's hard to go back, try to go back to your old life and be happy. You are miserable indeed And any one of us that have ever floundered and have ever strayed and have ever backslidden and gone back to the way that we once were. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a miserable existence. And you are forced to become calloused and hard-hearted if you're going to live that way. But God in his mercy and his grace keeps reaching out to us again and again. And again, so what should the believer's attitude toward God be? I love what Handley mull Bishop of Durham, says about this part of Romans. I love this. That the Christian is told how not to dream but to serve. The Christian is told how not to dream but to serve. If you've got your Bibles with you, go with me to John chapter 13. And let's look at this Jesus' life as example. I want to show you something. John 13, look at verse 3 with me. You there? It says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had around him. If you do any study on that word towel, everybody knew what kind of towel that was that Jesus went to get. And when Jesus went to grab that towel, that towel was reserved for the basest servant in the house. When Jesus went and grabbed that towel, the disciples were like, "What, what is he doing That should be the youngest servant in the house, like maybe a young girl, because it was used for washing off the feet of the travelers. And how many of you know back in that day wearing sandals, feet got dirty and they got stinky and they got messy. And so it was not the job that the owner of the house would have had. It would have been the job that the basest servant, the lowest member on the servant pole or servant chain would have been doing. Jesus goes and grabs that towel. Can you imagine the disciples, what is he doing? Why would he grab that towel? That's a servant's towel. That should be for a servant girl. And I love in John 13, verses 3 through 5, we see the basis for what Jesus did in verses 4 and 5 was found in verse 3. Jesus knew three things, and it was the basis for him being able to grab that servant's towel and to wash the disciples' feet, he knew three things. Those things are those three things are what he had, all authority given to him by the Father, where he came from, God, and where he was going, God. Jesus knew what he had, where he came from, and where he was going. I believe many Christians struggle serving because they don't know what God has given them, who God is and where they're going. It's hard to get plugged into the life of the local church if you don't know God well enough and how long you're gonna be around. Why could Jesus, the Son of God, serve like that? Because he knew what he had. He knew what he had. He knew he had all authority from the Father. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. I believe for that reason, it's hard for dreamers to serve. I believe the best dreaming comes while we serve. And let me, let me challenge You with this I believe God dreams come to those serving not dreaming I believe God dreams come to those serving God not dreaming about what God has for them it's very difficult to 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 serve God if you're always wondering what God has for you next how about what God would like to do through you next or how about how God would like to to use you next We're going to see in this series that there are aspects of Christian growth and maturity that you will never know if you are not serving in some way, shape, or form. And I'm going to challenge that. Paul challenges it head on. First off, let's just declare that this is not about us and what we've done. It's about Jesus and what he's done. We're not living sacrificially if it's all about us and what we've done. I've been involved for years, I've given for years, I've prayed for years, etc. Paul is saying that the Christian's conduct is based on what God has done, so much so that he is pleading with the believers to give their bodies to God because of all that he's done for them. Three words stand out to describe worship that pleases God. Sacrifices, holy, pleasing. Sacrifices, holy, Pleasing. It's why older versions don't say your spiritual worship, but your reasonable service. R.A. Knox paraphrased it as this is the worship due from you as rational creatures. As rational creatures. And let's just say it copying behaviors and customs of the world is not worship. It's not worship copying the behaviors and the customs of the world, that's not worship. It's not worship at all. Transformation from God comes from living like God in Christ Jesus. Copying behaviors and customs serves you and not God. You're worried about what people think. You're struggling with how you'll be perceived and whether or not you'll be accepted and whether or not you'll be received. There are pastors every week that are caving to the demands of culture and what people would say about them. There are pastors that are refusing to preach on certain biblical truths because it might not go over well. It might affect the numbers and it might affect the finances if they do. See, I believe what the pillar New Testament commentary says I believe it captures it so best. Listen to this. It says Christians have been introduced into the life of the world to come. What a tragedy then if they conform to the perishing world they have left. Let me say that again because I thought it was so good. Christians have been introduced into the life of the world to come. What a tragedy then if they conform to the perishing world they have left. What a tragedy. What a tragedy that you invite Jesus into your heart and you begin to experience the life to come and you try to return and go back to the life that you've left. No wonder why Christianity seems so confusing to so many. People coming to Christ, being washed clean, being set free, and not knowing what to do with that and so they go back To what they once were, to what they once did. How confusing is that? It's only a life lived like this that will prove God's will over time because God's will isn't arrived at right now or in a given moment. Think about it where is the sacrifice and the holiness in that? Pastor John, I've discovered God's will for my life entirely and completely. What sacrifice is needed anymore? What holiness is needed anymore? Man, you figured it out. You really don't even need to follow Jesus. You can probably begin to navigate God's will for your life because you now know what it is. You don't really need the Lord anymore. I believe that's why God's will is proven over time so that you will prove what is that good, what is that acceptable, and what is that perfect will of God. God's will is proven over time. It's not arrived at. It's lived out. It's lived out. So maybe a, a better way of saying this or the better question would be are you learning God's will for your life? Are you discovering God's will for your life? Are you beginning to discern God's will for your life? Maybe that would be the better question. Instead of saying, do you know God's will for your life? I, I think I'm getting it. I, I, I think I'm tracking. I think I'm on it. I think I'm on it. That's why renewing of the mind was important to Paul because healthy Christian doctrine requires intelligence. It requires intelligence. Don't check your brain at the door. Healthy Christian doctrine encourages a depth of intelligence when it comes to approaching life. Nothing exemplifies life renewed by the Spirit more. Let I me mean, think about it. We serve a God who created the heavens and the earth. We believe in intelligent design. So why would we live a a a Christian life? Why would we walk a Christian walk without intelligence? Your mind must be renewed. We do not arrive. We are in pursuit. There's not a formula. There's a chase. There's a chase. The lover coming for his bride. We are in a love pursuit with God and we are going hard after him. We're not arriving. We're not camping out. We haven't figured anything out. As soon as you begin to think and talk like that, pride and arrogance begins to settle in and knowledge always puffs up. The more you know, the the more highly you think of yourself and we ought not think of ourselves that way. So let me challenge that just a little bit because here... Paul challenges what our attitude should be like, especially concerning other believers, because many believers get shipwrecked here. Their attitude towards God is right, but their attitude towards other believers is not. I don't know how many times I've seen it. Man, they love God. Man, they love Jesus, but they just can't stand Christians. That was a nervous laugh. And so in verses three through five, Paul warns the believers through the grace that's given him. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. I love what Scottish theologian James Denny said. To himself, every man is in a sense the most important person in the world. And it always needs much grace to see what other people are and to keep a sense of moral proportion. Theologian James Moffat said, take a sane view of himself. So maturity is honest in its evaluation of self we don't know it all we can't have it all and we won't be it all maturity is honest in its evaluation of self man i don't i don't got it figured out but i know what i'm hard after i don't have it all figured out but man i'm believing to the best of my ability that my life is lining up with god's word and it's blessed because of it I don't think it's a hard thing to figure out whether or not you're walking with God and you're in pursuit of his will for your life. I don't think that's a difficult thing to navigate. For instance, we're all parts of one body and we belong to each other. So all those Christians that grind you, drive you nuts, just absolutely crazy, yeah, you belong to them. You're in relationship with them. They're family. Mm, family so if we're healthy we cannot act and live like we don't belong like I'm a Christian but I don't belong to anything like I'm a Christian and I don't belong to a body like I'm a person but I don't belong to a family it's kind of the same thing it's what you're saying man I love God my past used to say it would be a great job if it wasn't for all the people that's what my past used to say And I remember thinking, what are you saying? It's probably for that reason that when he told me that he believed with all of his heart that I was called a pastor of church, that I said, I don't want to do that. You're nicer than I am, and I see how people treat you. I don't want to do that. I literally told him, I don't don't even know if I want to pray about that. (laughs) Honest. God's honest truth. And he said, John, you promised me before you leave my office that you will pray about this. And I go, why? I, you know, I mean, I two little boys were living in Grand Haven. I'm a youth pastor in Grand Haven, baptizing people in Lake Michigan, doing Bible studies on the beach. I, I was happy. It was, it was, it was good. It was good. I saw the stuff that my pastor went through, and I just, I naturally, you know, thinking, man, if I sign up for this, I'm going to go through stuff like that too. And he said, you pray. I said, you really, really think, and he goes, I really, really do. You promised before you leave this office that you'll pray about it. I did, and here we are, and I'm grateful that we are where we are, so grateful that we are. Take all the licks, so grateful for it. So here's what I found, what Lisa and I have found, and these verses touch on it. If we're healthy, we can't act and live like we don't belong. Your feelings are misleading, and they cannot speak for everyone. Your feelings do not have the right to speak for everybody. Well, I feel like, well, I think like, in fact, anytime you're using always and never, you're probably beginning to dig a ditch. You always act like that. You never. I'd be careful. I wouldn't use that in your marriage either. Words like always and never, not good. So just because you don't feel like you belong doesn't mean that everyone feels like that about you. Let me say that again. Just because you don't feel like you belong does not mean that everybody feels like that about you. That's how you feel. And quit imposing your feelings upon me or I'm going to begin to impose mine on you. Well, let me tell you what I think. And let me tell you what I feel. See, we want it one way. Isn't it amazing tolerance is one way? I can't even stand it. When I hear that word in the news, I begin to cringe. Of course, we're different. Of course, we're different. God made us that way. So are the parts of the body, and and that's what Scripture is using here. So the mouth isn't like the ears or eyes are not like the nose, and hands are not like the arms or feet are not like the legs. They all make up one body and they are all essential and of great value. Some are more noticeable and seen more than others, but all are equally important. I think we all agree on that. The feet are covered, but break your big toe and you'll realize how needed your feet really are. I'm a member of the body and I I'm probably seen more than most, but just being honest before you, it'd be nice not to be seen as much. And I get it. I get it that my part to play in the body, I'm I'm seen more. Man, there would be times when I'd really, really like not to be seen so much or, or noticed so much. With high visibility comes great criticism. I like, I like what Aristotle said. He said it best. Criticism is something you can avoid easily by saying nothing, doing nothing, and being nothing. I so love that quote. Yeah, you can avoid it. I'll tell people that all the time when they get involved in ministry at the church. Pastor John, ever since I've gotten involved, things have gotten like crazy in my house. I'll tell you right now how you can avoid that. Don't do anything. Just come to church. Just sit there. Don't do anything. But if you are going to do something, man, have your wits about you and know that as you're beginning to put it out there and allow God to use you for others, that you're going to need to eat because you're feeding more than just yourself now. I knew that Lisa was pregnant every time she was pregnant because her appetite increased. Hour, two hours after dinner, I am so hungry. You're talking to my little buck and change wife. You know, I, I said, you're hungry. Yeah, aren't you? I go, no, 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 no. I mean, we had a big dinner. I'm doing pretty good. You know, what, are you pregnant? No, I, I don't think I'm pregnant. I don't, every time because she was feeding more than just herself. Christians, as you get involved, and I think it's healthy to be involved, in fact, this whole month, we're gonna be be encouraging you to get, there have never been more opportunities to get involved at Restored Church than in the next few months, whether it's, you know, the Men's Summit, just ask, is there anything that I can do to help? We have 300 pounds of wings. I gotta believe there'd be something you could do to help. We've got, we've got, a bunch of guys are going to be golfing 18 holes. I got to believe there'd be something you could do to help. We are going to have this two-day event for men. Ladies, the women's Bible study coming up, I got to believe there'd be something you could do to help. On any given service, the children's ministry would be stoked to have you help. There are opportunities. When we do at the movies, we're going to be serving pop and popcorn and candy. We need your help. We need your help. And there are just levels of maturity that you will not arrive at in, until you begin to pitch in and help. Isn't that the way it is in your family? As the kids get older, hey, 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 you can help around here. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey, we're family. Grab that. Would you take that out? Would you? It's just a part of maturity, isn't it? I'm not asking the three-year-old to take the trash out. But that teenager, hey, 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 grab that bag and the other one. Strap them to your back, carry the trash out. (laughs) Amen? Amen? If it's right in the natural, I believe it should be right otherwise, too. There is a risk in being a part of something big, but I'm gonna tell you, 21 years now, we've been here, and it is worth it all. It's worth it all. It's gonna be worth it all because of Who you serve. If you're serving yourself or you're serving somebody else, yeah, it gets weird. But if you're serving Jesus, it'll be worth it all. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. It's always worth it all. Lay your life down. There is more beyond your life, your household. Allow God to use you, and I promise you'll grow in ways, and we're gonna see it in the weeks to come. I promise that you will grow in ways that you never imagined. You'll grow, I guarantee it. In fact, you'll discover things about God, about his heart for people that you never could, but you have gotta put yourself out there a little bit. It's like your step of faith. And don't worry, God knows what kind of person you are. Pastor John, I'm not a people person man he's really good at using people that aren't people persons and i just want to pray that you would get a grasp and an understanding of how much you're needed i put a post out on facebook that i am so astounded by all the people that call themselves christians that are not even attending church and you know why it's because they're hurt and they're offended and and they're still licking their wounds and they don't know if they dare darken the doors of the church again because what if it happens all over again? What if it does happen all over again? What is that between you and Jesus? My gosh, if it was about hurt feelings, I wouldn't be standing up here today. Come on, church. I guarantee that if you need me to, I'll find somebody that's hurting more than you. might be even able to tell you who that person is before you leave the building today. And God wants to use you. He wants you to encourage. He wants you to build up. He wants you to come alongside.